Amen. Amen. Thank you. I really appreciate that determination to worship. I'll worship your holy name. You think about that. I'll sing like never before. That's what you just sang. Is that true? Yeah. I don't know about you, though, but I feel like sometimes it's hard to sing. Especially wearing a cursed mask. Kind of hate it. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever said anything that got that many amens. But I mean, it's, that kind of goes back to our worship doesn't depend on our circumstances. If we're wearing a mask, we're wearing a mask. We're going to worship. But I think there's a lot of us that it's hard to worship, not just because of the mask, but because it, this is really a sad season for a lot of different reasons. But, but I, know for, I know what I did yesterday. And Brendan and I did another funeral yesterday. And I know that for a lot of you, this is, this is a hard, sad season. So it's hard to sing. There's a lot of different reasons to be sad. It's not just because people have died. There's other reasons that this season is hard. There's also the, the, the sense that there's a lot of people that are mad right now about everything that's kind of coming through the news feed. Everything that you keep seeing going on and going on and going on and all the different... It just makes us mad. And when we're mad, it's hard to sing. But most of us... I mean, I mean we're, we're sad. Some of us are sad. Some of us are mad. Most of us... Most of us are just exhausted. Just like, I don't know. Just so many, so many unknowns this year. So many unknowns going into the holidays, going into next year. So many changes. So many things seem upside down, or so many things are canceled and are just exhausted. Makes it hard to sing. Hard to sing when you're exhausted. Today we're going to rejoice. We have been rejoicing and we're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice. At the end of the service, we're going to sing Joy to the World. And it's my job to help you mean it. To tell you why you can sing that and mean it. So let's look at this text. Luke chapter 1, verse 45. Let me pray. We are your people. So, Lord, stand in front of me while I stand in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. Because we are your people. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days... What had happened in those days? In those days, God had promised Zechariah that Elizabeth 
would have a baby. And indeed, she became pregnant. In, in those days, God had promised Mary that she would have a baby, and indeed, she became pregnant. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. This is, this is the miracle. Two very, well, one very pregnant lady. That is, Elizabeth is six months along. And Mary is, is newly conceived, newly pregnant. Both are full of promise. Full of promise. And Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, and the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, She'll proclaim this truth over Mary, like John will one day proclaim this truth over Jesus. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And that is why, and why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb, in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she, now let's slow down here. Let's slow down and really pay attention to this. This is the moral of the story. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Okay, so why is Mary blessed? It was a little, seemed kind of wordy, but why is Mary blessed? I heard some, she believes. What does she believe? That God keeps his promise, that God will do what he said, that, that the Lord keeps his word. She heard this promise and she believed it was true. And this, friends, is why you and I can rejoice. We can rejoice because we too have the promises of God. We can rejoice because God is a God of his word, that God, we can take God at his word and believe it is true. We can take what God says to the bank. And this is why Mary is blessed. Mary is blessed because she believes what God says. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to break all the rules and take out your phone and email me the promise of God that you are anchoring your soul to. That's my email address up on the screen. Email me, and those of you online, please do this as well. Email me the promise of God that you are anchoring your soul to. Here's why I think this is helpful. I think this is helpful because it, it will help you say out, you know, in print so you can see it, I am anchoring my soul to this promise. Even when I'm sad, even when I'm mad, even when I'm exhausted, I can rejoice because my joy doesn't depend on my circumstances. My joy depends on the sovereignty of God. And so I am anchoring my soul to his promise. So which promise? 
Which promise are you anchoring your soul to? This is pretty important. Because it might be that you can't think of a promise that you're anchoring your soul to. And if you can't think of a promise that you're anchoring your soul to, you're probably not anchoring your soul to the sovereignty of God. It might be that you're anchoring your soul to your political party being in power. If that's the case, then I bet it's been a stressful year. If you can't think of what you're anchoring your soul to, it might be that you're anchoring your soul to your wealth. If that's the case, then I bet it's been a pretty stressful year. It might be that you're anchoring your soul not to the sovereignty of God or to his promises, but to your health. And if that's the case, I bet it's been a pretty stressful year. What are you anchoring your soul to? I thought it might be helpful I go through a couple promises of God. So, there, we'll see in the, in the song that Mary sings next, we'll see a bunch of promises of God. What I find it helpful to do is anchor my soul to the story of God and the promises that are in that story. I find it easier to understand and relate to. So I thought I'd take you through a couple of those. What we're seeing right now in the story, in God's story, is God being showing up good, showing up faithful. So you can anchor your soul to a God that shows up. You can anchor your soul to a God who says, I'm coming, and shows up right on time. You can anchor your soul to a God who not only shows up on time, but promises to be with you and share himself with you. This is the promise of Christmas. That God is showing up good. That God is promising to never leave us nor forsake us good. You can anchor your soul to God being showing up good and God being with us. You can anchor your soul to this God who walked among us. And because he walked among us, he knows what we go through. It's not that you're praying to someone who is way up, who has always been way up in high, clean, safe heaven, who does not understand what you're going through. God understands what you're going through because he has lived it. This is something, this is a promise of God that you can anchor your soul to no matter the storms, no matter the temptations, no matter the worries or the troubles of life that you're going through, you can know that Jesus understands that he's been there and that he can help you through. Anchor your soul to the God who's been there and understands, who helps us 
I'm telling you, you can anchor your soul to the God who went down to Jerusalem or went up to Jerusalem and died on the cross from our sins. And this is a God who does not hold a grudge. This is a God who forgives us all of our sins. You can anchor your soul to that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As Jesus was showing up good, is showing up for us good and faithful as he promised to be with us and he is with us. As he's walking among us consistent and walking among us faithful as he understands us because he's been there and he's lived it as he's dying on the cross forgiving and good you can also take to the bank if you're really struggling with temptation or you're really struggling with doubts you can take to the bank you can anchor your soul the fact that he rose again and that he will raise us to newness of life in fact if we are in him we are already raised to newness of life. And you can take to the bank the promise that he will return and make all things new. And while we wait, he has promised to be king for good. King over all of it. Moving all of it. Redeeming all of it to his good ends. I'm so thankful we sang about Jesus' reign and Jesus' kingship this morning. I'm so glad we sang. Even though, even though it's easy to feel sad. Even though it's almost can't help but feel mad. Even though we're so exhausted. I'm so glad we sang of his reign. Because we anchor our souls to his reign, not our circumstances going right. We anchor our souls to his promises. To A big word would be his providence. That he'll keep us persevering. That he'll keep us pursuing him. Rejoice in God's promises. Mary, Mary does this. Watch how she sings. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, what I probably should have done, it's hard to admit that. You know, I don't like to admit that. But what I probably should have done is gone through and referenced every Old Testament promise or every Old Testament reference that Mary refers to. And it would have been utterly overwhelming. We would have just gotten, we wouldn't have been able to do much else. But it really would have helped us see that for Mary, she can anchor her soul to the promises of God. Okay, listen to this for a second. She can anchor her soul to the promises of God because she knows the promises of God. Really hard to anchor your soul to the promises of God if you don't know what they are. She knew her book. And so when she sings, it just kind of comes out. 
So when we sang all those Christmas songs, that they're all kind of mended together. It's kind of what we're about to read. A bunch of different Bible passages all mended together in Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. Think of the Think of the Exodus, especially. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Did you notice a theme there? Did you notice what Mary is doing? What Mary is celebrating? She is celebrating not just that she has the promises of God, but she's also celebrating how God has already proved over and over and over again throughout history, how God keeps his promises. So can I put it like this? She is rejoicing that God has proved himself faithful again and again and again throughout history. She's thinking when she says he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, she's going all the way back to Ur. When God called Abraham out of Ur, Ur is in Babylon, Ur is a long ways away, but she's saying, she's going all the way back in history to how God faithfully said to Abraham, follow me and I will bless you and I will bless those who bless you and make you a blessing to all the nations of the earth. She's saying it's all coming true, all the promises of God going all the way back to Abraham, they're all coming true. And then she, she's thinking about how God was faithful to Abraham's offspring, even when they had to go down to Egypt because of famine. And they're in Egypt, and they became slaves in Egypt. And she's thinking about how God's strong arm was faithful and brought them out of Egypt just like he had always promised to do. And then she's thinking about how God had rescued them from the Assyrians when the Assyrians were coming in and were going to destroy them. And she's thinking about how the people, though they had been unfaithful again and again and again and again, so God sent them back into exile, back to Babylon. She's thinking about how God preserved them in Babylon and brought them back home. She's thinking about the times that God had been faithful. God had been faithful again and again and again, even later on when Alexander the Great would come through and decimate everything. And then he died. Then his generals fought over the different lands. And God had preserved them through the time of the Greeks. 
And God has preserved them now even under Rome because God has been faithful to his promises again and again and again throughout history. And I bet you can look back at your life and see how God has been faithful to his promises and faithful to his character again and again and again and again. He has proved himself faithful. I've told you one of the one of my goals for this series, just teaching wise, is to show you how the beginning of the book relates to the end of the book. And so to to try to accomplish that goal and to help you see how he has kept his promises. How he has been faithful. At what personal cost he has been faithful. Let's look at verse 53 again here. 153. He has filled the hungry with good things. Now as you think about that, how did Jesus do that? How did Jesus do that? Well, you could think of the miracles where he fed the 5,000 or he fed people miraculously. You could think about how he fed people in the wilderness. But see, those miracles point forward to something bigger, something more eternal. So I'd like to read to you from the passage about the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22. When the book is building to a climax and Jesus knows he is about to die, Jesus gathers them for one last supper and says, in verse 19, so I'm in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, 22, 19, and he says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. How has he filled the hungry with good things? How has he done that? Well, think of the Lord's table where he's sitting at table and he picks up a loaf of bread and he says, see this loaf of bread, fellas? See this loaf of bread? And he breaks it and he gives it to them and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Me for you. I'm going to fill you with good things by giving myself for you. He has kept these promises in the cross and in the resurrection. He exalts the humble by becoming humble himself. Becoming Becoming a humble and obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is why this is why we read, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mercy that comes true on the cross. So why can we sing joy to the world? Why can we rejoice when we're sad, when we're mad, when we're exhausted? We can sing because we have the promises of God. And we can sing because God is faithful to keep these promises. 
You don't have promises from someone who won't show up when they say they're going to show up. You don't have promises from someone who won't do what they say they're going to do. You don't have promises from a liar. You have promises from truth himself. The passage goes on. And Mary remained with her about three months. Hey, how far along was Elizabeth when she was six months and, and now it's three months? So those of you who have had babies before can probably do the math. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. And so we read, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. And it turns out that God kept his promise. This is what we hold on to. That God will keep his promise. He will And we look forward to the day when he will keep his promise. See, they had promises. They had promise. When we met them in the beginning of this narrative, they're both full of promise. But then at the end of the narrative here, Elizabeth, the promise has been born. The promise has come true. The promise is out in the open and is fulfilled. And this is where we live. We have promises already. And God is keeping those promises, but we don't have the fullness of the promise yet. If we had time, I would turn to Romans 8.22 and show you that all of creation, it's like it's in the pain of childbirth because it's waiting for all of the promises, all of the promises to come completely true. And there to be a new heavens and a new earth. So we take joy because it will be better when Christ returns and makes all things new. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Pregnancy is good. Having the baby is better. We have the promises. But one day, new creation will be here in fullness. Right now, it's here in seed form. One day, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And so we look forward to that joy, past our circumstances, to the God who keeps his promises. Engagement is good. Engagement, there's always a celebration. But marriage is better. We're engaged. We're already the bride of Christ, but we look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That hasn't happened yet. The groundbreaking is good. You always celebrate groundbreaking, you know, when they they get out there with a fancy shovel and they take their first step of earth. and That's always an exciting good time. But the grand opening is better. Okay? So groundbreaking has begun. But the grand opening hasn't happened yet. That will happen when Christ returns and finally and fully asserts his will. So we look forward, we look forward past what we're going through, past what we're sad about, past what we're mad about, past what is exhausting us, knowing that God will keep his promises and a better day is coming. So sing, joy to the world.
because we have the promises of God. We have the promises of God. We have the promises of God. Yeah. Amen. And because God keeps his promises, because he has been faithful, you can sing Joy to the World thinking about how he has been faithful in the past, knowing that he will be faithful in the future. You can sing Joy to the World. Not because of your circumstances, but because of his sovereignty. You can sing joy to the world. Here's why. Because the Savior reigns. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd help us take joy in your promises and in your character. Help us take joy that you are with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you come through on your word. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand as